Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And most people will just skip it. Well, I hope because they Because they're exhausted. Yes, but I but hope... they're going to watch you. They are, I hope, yes, we will be on the air tomorrow at 9, and we will have special uh, post-debate analysis on this network at 11, which I hope people tune into. It's in my calendar already. Well, please, I hope so, and I hope to hear your perspective on all of it in the coming days and weeks, my friend. <laughs> it's great to see you, Brian Stelter. Thanks. Thank you, as always, for your wisdom. That is our show for this evening. Now it is time for The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell. Good evening, Lawrence. Good evening, Alex. And I'm going to be one who skips it, like Brian just said, uh, because... Because I will be sitting right here at 10 o'clock, yes. uh, doing the last word, yes. uh, doing my duty in this hour of I television. Too. And I, as far as I'm concerned, that's the only thing that's happening on TV tomorrow night. I don't know anything about that stuff you were just talking about. Yeah, no, it I, doesn't exist. Yeah. It's like a tree falling in the forest. Yeah, Alex exactly. Wagner and Lawrence O'Donnell will be on the air right. at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock tomorrow. So please, please join us, America. I will be watching Alex Wagner uh, at 9, and I will be listening to my... And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 24th of August, year of our Lord, 2023. I feel like deep fried ass. Not even going to talk about it. I'm so tired of talking about it. It's like my whole life's about being sick. Now it's mornings. Don't know why. Nothing's changed. Because I take no medicines. Maybe that's it. Don't care. Let's move on. That is an amazing soundbite. Now, let's be honest. I didn't watch that shit. I'm not going to watch any of the shit. I don't fucking... It is just a goddamn travesty that this is what we have to deal with for fucking candidates to begin with. If Republicans were smart, they'd fucking thin the herd. Vote against Trump because now he's indicted 4,000 fucking times and it's not real and it's bullshit. Nobody's ever been charged. It doesn't really matter. It's a mess. This is a layup. You have a totally inept president, as we're about to see, that can't form two sentences together. He's a fucking embarrassment. But as is our thing, because this is what the podcast is about, our media, God bless America. Are you fucking kidding me? Begging people not to watch a debate. It, It used to be, A, watch that debate. It is your civic duty. Then it turned into, well, watch that debate because those people all suck. And the good teams over here in the White House. That used to be 
what we were. But now they tell you not to even, like, fucking watch, which is fucking sad. This right here is some kick-ass shit, and I just want to make sure I cover this because it got resurfaced this week. And this is a fact check from USA Today. Biden's always on vacation. He was on vacation for the Hawaii stuff. He's just always on vacation. That's what he does. He does a lot of vacations. He's an old guy. He isn't really running the country because other people are running it. Everybody knows that. Media knows it. But this is USA Today saying, well, he didn't take a full vacation. So when you're bashing him saying he took a vacation, that's not really true because he didn't take a full vacation. That's the route they went on that. So as the Maui stuff has just been fucking embarrassing, I'm going to play a little bit of sound bites here. If, if, uh, the President of the United States. This is what you people voted for. Yo, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond. And hit the wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. Make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Never met before. We are a community that relies on family, on Ohana, whether by blood or by friendship. But like many others, my son's home burned down. My daughter's home burned down. My home burned down. My parents of 59 years home. You guys catch the boots out here? That's a hot crown, man. Hello, everybody. It's going to be hard. America's deadly wildfire, deadliest wildfire in over a century. And Jill and I have what's left, uh, walked Front Street, what's left of it. We've surveyed the damage from the air as well. The devastation is overwhelming. To date, 114 dead, hundreds of people unaccounted for. I remember when I got the call, my first wife and daughter, I was a young senator and I got a call in Washington. I hadn't been sworn in yet. I wasn't old enough. And I was hiring staff in the Capitol at Teddy Kennedy's office. And I got a phone call saying from my fire department, a young first responder, kind of panicking, you got to come home. There's been an accident. So what happened? He said, your wife, she, she, she's dead. Come home. Come home. The tractor trailer had broadsided her and uh, uh, killed her in a car accident along with my little daughter. And uh, I remember... That's the President of the United States. Falling a fucking sleep. It's what what they do. I mean, I, I don't need Google for the following slide. Let me make it actually 
legible because it's not legible. George Bush was mauled for merely flying over New Orleans as the citizens drowned during Katrina. Lincoln Park made a song about it. But he couldn't land. But Chocolate City Man didn't do anything. Ended up getting busted because he used the money and embezzled it for Katrina. Media didn't even say he was a Democrat. They still talk that George Bush made a fucking hurricane and sicked it on the black people. Spike Lee made a documentary on HBO that said that they did it on purpose. They blew it to kill the black people. Ted Cruz is mocked in week-long news cycle for leaving Texas during electricity loss. Not only hasn't Biden visited Maui, but twice vacationed and barely spoken about it. It's just the truth. I always found these demands for symbolic gestures a bit overblown, but Biden sitting on beaches and saying no comment during the horrific fire disaster is the worst of these. I, I could have played them. I didn't. There, there's, there's proof. I mean... There, there's there's just proof. I mean, it, you cannot run a country and have two standards. That is Biden. And Cruz and Bush were said to have created the disasters. It's their fault. Babylon B. It's pretty fucking funny. Biden awards Hawaii official Medal of Honor for saving water during the fire. They got drugged through the mud for that, but I, it's true. I mean, it was so bad, I didn't even cover it. There's like a thousand people missing. They don't even know where the fuck they are. It's, it's major. President of the United States. It's a blue state. You know. Joe Scarborough... Note the overwhelming positive response from local residents of Maui paper and the stark contrast compared to the stock op- the shock opera nonsense pushed by Trumpy outlets today. Same with BS sleep narrative that created an alternative reality. Because he has a D behind his name, and, and Joe Scarborough is going to fucking, he's a Democrat, so he, he's going to do this. Those are the papers. Now, because we live in totally different times, we don't cover reality. So we're going to have Joe speaking, and then there's actually going to be Hawaiians who did protest. from the local papers. Now, if if you were following right-wing media yesterday, and even if you weren't, if you just, a lot of it was reaching out and pulling you into your smartphones, you would think that everybody in Maui was angry with Joe Biden, that Joe Biden was having a siesta during, every, I know this is gonna shock you, it was all garbage. You look at the local newspapers, you look at the local reports, you listen to the local people. These weren't Democratic operatives. It was the Maui newspaper. Everybody in these newspapers, glowing coverage, 
thanking the president for being there, saying it made such a difference, that he and Jill were so empathetic, they were so giving, they gave them hope. And again, just read the papers. And it's the same thing with this Joe Biden and his sleeping deal. You actually look at the longer, the, the longer video, he coughs, he bows his head like the woman next to him, he takes like four deep breaths, like he's trying to catch his breath. He, I, I, we don't know why. Maybe, maybe he was moved. And then he's like nodding, looks up. And yet the screaming of headlines is Biden sleeping, Biden sleeping, Biden sleeping. And he coughs. And now look at this. Okay, goes down. He's been traveling a lot. Look at this. He takes one, two, catching his breath. By the way, the lady next to him several times, head bowed too, is very moving. And, he, you know, he's listening to the speaker. He goes, yes, he raises his head. Oh, my God, it's the end of the world as we know it. The only thing, Willie, the only thing that we can thank God for is that Joe Biden was not wearing a tan suit. Because then <laughs> we've been a total meltdown on the floor, right? But I will tell you, the people of Maui, and again, read Read the local coverage. Don't listen to the lies on Trumpy outlets. Read the local coverage. All incredibly positive. Wearing a tan suit or perhaps even riding a bicycle. Even worse, Joe. That could have been big oh, news as well. Yes. If you're watching this this morning, you have no idea what we're talking about. It's because you live in the rational world where this was an insignificant <laughs> moment, not a controversial one anyway. But you're right. It was on certain news outlets and by prominent hosts tweeting out the video and saying, what's wrong with the president? Watch the video and listen to the video. What's going on? They're talking about all the people who died, at least 100 with more than 800 missing in Maui. And he's bowed his head in that moment in some kind of reflection, as you say, with other people there. So this has become and if this is supposed to be the what about ism for everything that's happening to Donald Trump right, right now, where he's going to turn himself in tomorrow yeah. in his latest indictment in Atlanta, if this yeah. is supposed to be the what about ism, yeah, that stuff is going on. But look at this. Joe Biden bowed his head for 20 seconds at a ceremony in Hawaii. It's pretty weak yeah. sauce, if that's what you're looking at. Well, and, and, and again, they, they, they cut clips short. They get him just when he's bowing his head. There's no context. And you're right. It's a whataboutism. Yes, Donald Trump may have tried to steal elections. He may have tried to destroy democracy. He may have unleashed an angry mob to beat the hell out of Capitol Hill cops. He may have stolen nuclear secrets. He may have done that. But look at Joe Biden. He's so old. He's so old because he bowed his head. You know, we've all been to ceremonies where we're moved, where, I, and I would guess a guy who's actually lost three family members, close family members, you know, we've, he, we've seen him get emotional before. And my God, you know, again, the fact, this is not about that. This is about the reaction where, like you said, Mika, it's this whataboutism. It's Hunter Biden's laptop. It's Hunter Biden. It's Joe Biden falls asleep. It's Joe Biden falls off of a bicycle. It is all so shallow. It is all so stupid. And it Raspin. is all they have. It's all they have. And I'll add to your list that many people have gone to jail for many, many years and are bankrupted and ruined because they followed the lead of Donald Trump. So, well, I the mean, lead of follow Donald Trump and the lies, Willie, of these channels. 
Well, the hosts and, and, don't uh, even believe uh, what they're saying. The hosts know what they're saying are lies. But I'm just saying, and, and, and as, as we've learned, there are consequences to lies. And you can only lie to people so many times before they catch on and they know you're lying. And again, this not only infects the Republican Party and undermines Donald Trump in the long run, which it will. It makes the swing voters. It makes the independent voters. It makes the, the moderate Republicans all say, I'm not voting for that guy. I'm not voting for that party, even if it means I stay home. It, it's again. There is no, this is the long, this is not the long play. This is just short, stupid stuff that always backfires against them. And the facts and the allegations in all these indictments, including the one we're focused on today in Georgia, and by the way, we're going to talk in just a second, going back to the Mar-a-Lago documents case, the facts are so yeah, damning that you have to talk about someone else if you want to change the subject. You have to talk about Joe Biden sleeping. You have to talk about Hunter Biden. And it will say it for what, Joe, mm -hmm. the one millionth time, if Hunter Biden committed a crime, he should be prosecuted and go to jail, go period. To jail. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But if you, if you read these indictments, they're so damning to Donald Trump and the people around him, I'd want to change the subject, too, if you were my guy. Absolutely. Uh, along with Joe, Willie and me, we have the president of the National Action Network and host of MSNBC's Politics. Some signs greeting the president were honest and tough. Quote, you're late. Another no comment, a reference to his initial answer to a question on the deaths of the people on that island. Some very angry, many of them, at the pace, the slow pace of federal help. A little too late. Uh, it's been two weeks since we've seen him. You know, he's missed his window of opportunity. That's what we would have seen if it was Trump. But we didn't see it because it's Biden. And the media said he did the greatest response to any disaster that's ever happened on planet Earth blah 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 with periods of blah and more blah 850 people are missing after maui wildfire major uh mayor says it's now up to a thousand biden spokesman Eleven dalton said biden will make sure that he communicates to maui residents that not only have he been there since day one he's been there since day one i'm gonna play it here it is There's been a lot of Maui residents who've, despite all the efforts that you've been detailing, are still frustrated with the response. So how has the president been preparing for what could be a, a tough reception uh, when he meets with survivors and first responders today? Look, look, you've heard from the president directly. He knows these uh, folks in the community have been through something devastating and traumatic. Um, today he'll meet with parents who've lost children and children who've lost parents and first responders who saved others' homes while their own built, uh, burned to the ground. So I think it, it's going to be an emotional day for everyone. Um, and the president certainly uh, intends to stand with them and make sure that um, that he communicates to them that uh, not only have we been there since day one, has he been there since day one, but as he said yes, just yesterday, uh, he intends for his administration to be there for Maui as long as it takes. 
They get away with it. It's okay. Yeah, you can lie. You can manufacture. You can say everything. He doesn't give a fuck. David Burge, has anybody seen a little black box with an antenna and a red button labeled antidotes? That's all he ever does. Matlin Glazy, the gay hate guy, hates everybody, hates you, wants you all to die. I think America is ready to vote for a president who promises zero effort at serious policy change, but 100% laser-like focus on making visits to various disasters. Uh, Holden, a guy used to read a bunch of his tweets on the show, it wasn't conservatives who started this game. Another one. Let's pretend lefties didn't start this circle jerk. This is what you guys do. It's all based not on reality. It's based on empathy. You know, if if he shows up, shakes hands, he's a good president. If he actually fixes shit. You know, I remember Trump being in a disaster, handing out paper towels, like fucking criticizing them. Bought a bunch of people fucking chow at a McDonald's. But as we're covering for Biden and saying everything's okie-dokie, of course the media, and I've trimmed it down, just a few sound bites, we're, we're just going climate change fucking crazy. It comes, though, as apprehensions along the southern border increased last month to close to 133,000, but overall still down nearly 30% from last year. That was when Title 42 expired, or was still in place, rather, with officials touting Biden's policies for that drop. Nine times out of ten with fires that are happening now, it has nothing to do with climate change. It's piss-poor forestry management. It is the inability to fucking quickly put out a fire that's usually started by man that's what does it but we don't hear that because our media is going to do the democrat way never let a crisis go to waste and they just go butt fucking crazy on this shit and i i i just fucking don't understand sorry i'm itching like crazy a fucking cat got on my chair and i am like really allergic to one of our cats don't get it. There's something about that guy who just fucks me up. Um, here is a scientist thread taking climate scam and its obnoxious chicken littles apart. I'm going to read a few of them. The way progressives are weaponizing it and using it to control our every move is pushing otherwise reasonable conservatives to say climate change isn't happening, which it actually is. They're eye-roll because admitting the Earth's climate is changing makes it appear you climbed on a bandwagon. While the Earth's climate is changing, it's not doing so via human input nearly as much as claimed. Even if man were responsible for most of all the climate change, there's nothing we can do to stop or reverse it. Too many bad actors. Humans are resilient. The fact that millions of people can live comfortably in the desert, call Las Vegas, is a testament. And I don't even want to continue any more of it because you spun on. That's just, that's the way it is. That's just where we are. It's, uh, it's fucking just like every other 
thing we talk about. It's always um, made up. It's all made up, just like this soundbite about the border from GMA. The U.S. is facing a humanitarian crisis over where to place migrants who are seeking asylum in this country. In New York City, a new center has just opened up on Randall's Island. It's expected to house, listen to this number, up to 3,000 migrants. Other cities like Los Angeles, Boston, and Chicago are also trying to manage an overwhelming number of new arrivals. Our national correspondent, Jerika Duncan, spoke with the mayor of New York City about how to handle the situation here. A lot of people feel it's out of control here already. It truly is, and we've seen more of that over the last year. You know, the mayor that we sat down with, Eric Adams, predicts that the city could spend upwards of $12 billion over three years without more help from the state. More than 500 migrants arrived in New York City on Sunday alone. So many issues at stake, obviously, as we were speaking during the package, the right to work. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what the mayor was saying is there's 12,000 jobs right now that he's hoping people mm. would apply for in yeah. the city. And that is the migrants contributing to the economy, as mm. opposed to this long process where it takes forever to get the work permit. I mean, listen, decades upon decades we've been talking about it, but now yes. that it is in these big cities the way that it is, yeah. it's time to pay attention. It's really hard to, in the absence of being able to work, if you ride the subway in New York City, if you visited New York City re recently, you see migrants trying to do whatever job they can, selling yeah. candy, selling drinks. Of course. The, the only solution here is clearly a federal one, federal law. Dr. Biden, thank you for convening us and for hosting us. I should say at the very outset that I have always, always loved school, except, <laughs> except math. Um, yep, that's it right there, math. We, we don't play math. And to show how disingenuous they all are, they're selling off the remaining border wall pieces. Tell me that's <clears throat> honesty. Public goods are going to try to fix it, but no, we're going to we're going to sell it. We're going to sell all the pieces off because we want unfettered immigration. That's just what we want, and we're going to get it. Before we get to defenses of Biden, I, I want to play this soundbite from MTP because even as they full-throatedly defend these fuckfaces, they know he's a wreck. The one thing I want to point out here is I want to show you his... It, this stuff has taken a huge toll on him. You know, Biden, right before the 2020 election, he was right side up, which in our polarized politics <laughs> is quite astonishing. But look, Trump and Rudy Giuliani began this campaign to try to tarnish Biden, to try to turn him into the Clinton name, you know, with the with the obsession over, over the Ukraine businesses with Hunter. And it's worked. His numbers now look more like Hillary Clinton 16 than Biden 20. Kimberly... We, um, maybe a, maybe abortion is the difference there that 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 will bail him out, but that doesn't look good for him. 
Well, it, it won't bail, it, bail them out on its own. I mean, yeah. to the point about focusing on the economy, yes, the economy is important. The two biggest issues is democracy and an uh, offshoot of that is the abortion issue. Right. That is something that should be front and center of a message. Yes, you have to talk about the economy, and through that he can tout the achievements that he made and sort of boost that incumbency value. But he seems to be campaigning uh, in a bygone era that he feels more comfortable in, that he wants to, wishes the world were, but that's not where we all right now we have the former president about to go on trial for attacking he's not doing well people do not want him because the majority of americans already fucking know they're covering for him on everything politifact rushes to biden's defense on chinese spy balloon again because it's resurfacing that it was all a fucking lie we knew that, though. Greenwald, two new reports, one from the New York Times, other from Politico, report that Biden DOJ was eager to drop the Hunter Biden investigation entirely without even misdemeanor charges. Only the two IRS whistleblowers prevented this. Now Biden lawyer want the two whistleblowers persecuted. Yeah, that, that, somehow that makes sense. Miranda Devine, and this is a curious fact, Hunter was involved in the Trump impeachment over Ukraine in the summer 2019. He tells an advisor he had an all-day meeting with an impeachment lawyer after five years. He still has not been interviewed by a Weiss team or tested for the grand jury. This is all in Politico. So Hunter was, of course, an expert on Ukraine. The DOJ recognized that when they wanted to impeach Trump. now, well, you know, fucking facts just get all up in the way of what we really want. It, it, it's a fucking criminal syndicate now. I mean, this, this is shit that third world countries have, but we have it. And the thugs are in our media. This is PBS. Democrats should be more grateful. Biden is their candidate. And so the Democrats are lucky, frankly, to have a, a candidate in Biden who has presided over an incredibly strong economic recovery, who has presided over pretty good international peacemaking efforts, both in Asia this week and also in Europe. Uh, and who I believe whose numbers will go up as inflation recedes, as it is, and the strong job numbers are there. And they're extremely lucky to have a candidate, frankly, who's not a member of um, what you'd call the coastal elite. And Joe Biden has sends off all the right cult cultural messages for moderate independent voters who don't have college degrees. And Democrats um, are not grateful enough for what they have, in my view. Why? Why should they be more grateful? Politico, Republicans are using Kamala Harris as a boogeyman in 2024. Their actual headline, Kamala Harris seeks a second act as GOP and tax intensify. I can't get into people's head, Kamala Harris tries to reshape her public in image. It's another article. And it's not them. 
Stratsburg, fucking WAPO, name the fucking outlet they're going to do it. Simultaneously, he's on the stump all the time. And I'm going to play these back to back. Uh, Here he is saying American first policies hurt America. The media freak out about a peace agreement, two countries that aren't fucking at war or enemies. He doesn't even shake the leader's hands and he just ignores everybody and gets back on his plane to go back on fucking vacation. America first policy walking away from the rest of the world has made us weaker, not stronger. Thank you. This concludes our press conference. Please, please stay seated as the, the leaders depart, please. Please stay seated. Now, if you watch closely, he has an earpiece in. And I would bet a dollar to a donut somebody's telling him what to say or to correct him or say this is wrong. I remember after a, I guess it was a debate with John Kerry, the media and the left, Said he had a listening device. There's no way he beat John Kerry. Do do we remember that? And then just for ridiculousness, I had to fucking cover this. This is actually real. Um, This just sums up Democrats. Chicago City Council member backs the purge. Large youth gatherings downtown have vexed Chicago police and other city leaders last decade after springing up via social media flyers during warm summer months and sometimes turning violent. The mayor, who despite pushback, has continued to vow that he will never demonize youth, elaborated Wednesday that his administration has intercepted other attempts at large gatherings that could have been even more severe, taking umbrage to the teens being described as mob. It's not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. We have to be careful when we use language to describe behavior. There's a history in this city, and I mean to refer to children as like baby Al Capones. In comes in this douche nozzle. In crime playing Chicago, city council member has a plan. Let's designate 12 hours of each day for murders and not do any shootings the other 12. To the article, because I don't see her name, Maria Haddon. Boosted a proposal by a group of Native Sons is calling for the People's Ordinance. The ordinance would call for a ceasefire in Chicago between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. They're asking for the refrain from gunshots to reduce risk to Chicagoans who are not involved in high-risk activities. That's their answer. The fucking purge. And somehow, makes total sense, so... We're going to go into Military Corner. I'm going to play 
a scene from Band of Brothers to start out. Uh, there's a reason for it. Enjoy. Go! 
grenades first, then keep going. Go! Right. That scene, I know it might seem um, kind of weird that I, I played it, but that attack is still, um, it is literally still taught in military schools leadership courses for NCOs and at West Point as the textbook assault. It was ad hoc, which means it was mixed units. It was off a of Frago. They utilized the train. They utilized the found weapons on site. And they executed battle drills five and seven, which is take out a bunker and clear, uh, enter a foot, get a gain a foothold in a trench, uh, flawlessly, and took down a superior force with like twelve guys. It's it's textbook. It's unbelievable. Every time I see the scene, I just stare at it and go, God, that dude was a fucking badass. So we're gonna close our military corner with a 10-minute documentary on him. Uh, you could fast forward. No, it's not politics, but the dude's just fucking awesome. So, 82nd Airborne, 1st Infantry Division, deploying overseas. One's the Middle East, and one is to Europe, and it just doesn't stop. Just doesn't stop. These poor guys, you know, they, the wars are over, but they're still deploying. Lance Corporal Joseph D. Whaley of Maury County, Tennessee, was roughly four weeks into a 13-week reconnaissance course when he was killed last week during a nighttime exercise at the Marine Corps School of Infantry West, according to service statement, which is very sad. Wouldn't know about it, but it's local. Pentagon is set to allow calculator use and military entrance exams as recruiting slumps. So we're just going to lower the standard and have people that can't do basic fucking math. Followed by this one from uh, military.com's working overdrive for the, de the Democrats. Uh, it's actually kind of embarrassing. I'm going to read from this. Um, Weiss also believes the current military pay structure is incongruous for a generation that watches their peer gain followers on social media and their mind. Better performance should mean more money. To that end, he suggests performance bonuses be added to military pay for those who succeed. A somewhat counterintuitive suggestion Weiss offers is rooted in General Z's connection to devices. Some Weiss believes are being crushed by the constant pinging, causing them to crave time to be unplugged from the rest of the world. The military can offer this like no other institution, he says, with real-world responsibilities and experiences away from their devices. Those are just a few interesting examples. In all, Weiss offers 21 chapters of fact-based problems and solutions written with the intention of diagnosing and solving a real and serious issue facing our nation come from the personnel experience of Gen Z military officer who did a lot of research to help solve it. We don't want you, Uncle Sam, examining the military 
recruiting crisis with Gen Z is on sale now. And, of course, nowhere in that document... Can military academy cadets help the U.S. Army become more resilient in the face of climate change? I just spoke with young creative minds at West Point USMA who are tackling the challenge head-on. Innovations must come from all levels. We are always stronger as a team. That is the Deputy Secretary of Defense, Kathleen Hicks. That has nothing to do with it, though. Military.com even wrote this article. Eight prison recipes soldiers at Fort Cavazos could use to make meals in the shop as they ain't got no goddamn food. Jailhouse tamales, prison pad thai, crab apple jam, burritos, prison pizza, chicken nuggets, chi-chi. Oldest commissary only recipe floating around American prison systems. Two packages of ramen, jalapeno cheese spread, summer sausage, Slim Jims, one can of chili, spices. Orange porkies. How about, it's a goddamn travesty. What is the President of the United States doing about it? Oh, wait a minute. That's only for Republicans because he's the commander-in-chief, so he, he should be handling this. I, I don't know. Me. Interesting article in um, The Gray Man. Listen, every military school sucks. I mean, it doesn't really matter what school it is. I mean, Pathfinder was a gentleman course, but it blew ass because you have to, you know, memorize. Do I even have a piece of paper? Well, 8 by 11, 10 font of numbers formulas and everything and go and dump it on a piece of paper because then you're going to take a 50 question test on five different areas and you got to do floor uh do formulas for slope and drift and throw because you're doing uh drop zones and pzs and how many pzs can you get on it blah 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 but you're always the gray man and what's a gray man i'm not first I'm not last. I'm not the best, not the worst. I do not volunteer, but I also don't run away when they ask for shit. As a guy who had horrible luck, as in, as a private, made it through hell week for a, that one was 28-day pre-ranger course, and then I failed all the patrols because I didn't know shit. I had shitty squalors and taught me shit. I was a weapons guy. I was a machine gunner. So not really the platoon, you know, squad leader's fault. More of the platoon sergeant. But I didn't know shit. I didn't know what a five-paragraph op order was. I mean, I kind of did. I wrote it down, but I, I didn't know how to give one. And then the second time I went, I passed Worm Week and all the hard shit and I get a go on a patrol and then fall and tear my arch. So I would have graduated. Wouldn't have gone to ranger school because back then you didn't get to just go because you went to pre-ranger. And then the third time, I fell down a fucking cliff. So I'd gone through hell week, was doing the last thing before patrols, and I was a shoe-in, and the instructors knew me because it had just been like six months prior. And once again, I tore my arch again. I fell off this goddamn hill on Land Nav. It was my last point, too. 
and I re-injured it. Um, still amazing. That was 1990. Four, five, six. No. 91, 92. And I made it the rest of my career with a torn arch. Should have got surgery, but I didn't. Anyway, so this is telling you how in selection, that's eh, probably not the best way to go, which is just really interesting because every school I've ever gone to, that's your deal, man. You know, you stay in the huddle, you do what you're supposed to do, you do your patrols, you make sure you're, you're, you know, helping, you're not off as a loner, you never get spotlighted, man. Worst thing you do in any kind of school is get spotlighted and they're on you like white on rice on a paper plate in a fucking snowstorm. Just on you, you're fucked. Three feet up your ass, screaming and yelling. Mmm. Totally fucking uncool. To dumb shit. And I... Sorry, I feel like shit. So I'm really half-assing the slides. Nobody really watches it. I've heard a lot of listens, though. Thank you for everybody who's listening, all the new people. Um, I hope it's still entertaining. Air Force Academy uniforms honor group that bombed Japan in World War II receives mixed feelings on social media. The Doolittle Raiders, a group of 80 pilots who bombed Japan first. And people are butthurt. It was history. It was really important. It was really important. Zero class, one user responds. Equating football to little war is a very bad thing. Japan is now an ally. Okay, let's just cover a couple things for you ignorant, stupid fucking... Have you ever heard of the Bataan Death March? Yeah, that was Japan. Samurai swords, heard about chopping fucking heads, tying people, finding people executed all over every fucking island in the goddamn Pacific. Kamikaze bombing. Suicide bombing. Hmm. Who did it? Japan. They tried to breed out Korea. Breed them out. Destroyed everything. Yes, Japan's a good, nice country. But I hate to say fucked up shit, and I own no ill or malice or racism or anything in this statement. It took two fucking not nukes to get their head out of their fucking ass, and they never fucked with anybody ever again. But it took those nukes, and it took two of them. I mean, just one wasn't good enough. That You had to bomb the motherfuckers twice before they'd fucking give up. And then they still found motherfuckers on islands who were still in holes to fight. To that point in history, Japan was a bunch of motherfuckers. And the Doolittle Raiders, I, I can understand if you're saying the dudes who dropped the nukes. But that was big shit. Those motherfuckers, a lot of them fucking died. They ended up in China. They ended up in fucking prison camps. Because it was a one-way mission. You bombed and you had to get to fucking China. There's 
movies on it. Pearl Harbor is one of them. Maybe you need to get educated. I don't know. Could be me. <clears throat> Maybe I'm the fucking dumbass. Fucking people nowadays. I just... Sometimes... I think we... We, we, we have to be offended. So we find things to be offended about. They're not real things. Pretend we are. I want to play this next before we go into our close. Well, let me do the close so I can be positive. So uh, I went and found an article a couple months ago. And <clears throat> pretty cool. The biggest heroes for every state. And we're talking Medal of Honor winners. For mine, Tennessee, it's Alvin York. And I don't need to talk about him because he's a bad motherfucker. Oregon. <clears throat> Arthur Jr. Jackson, Private First Class, World, World War II, Marine Corps, uh, Medal of Honor recipient attributed to the state, 13th, 12th fewest. So let me go back to Tennessee. Has uh, the 23rd most. <clears throat> 32 for the volunteer state. Oregon's got 13. On September 18, 1944, Arthur Jr. Jackson was serving with the 3rd Battalion, 7th Marine, 1st Marine Division against Japanese forces in Palu. Under intense enemy fire, advanced ahead of American lines, blowing up a large pillbox housing 35 Japanese soldiers using explosives and grenades. Undeterred by the continuous fire, he then proceeded to take out two more pillboxes. He credited for taking out 12 pillboxes and 50 enemy soldiers. That Oregonian got out and chopped some motherfucking wood. Holy shit. <clears throat> Kentucky, it is Mary Edwards Walker. She was a surgeon, the only woman to receive Medal of Honor, served as voluntary field surgeon for the United uh, the Union Army during Civil War. She provided critical medical aid to both sides enduring hardships as a contract surgeon, spending four months as a prisoner of war. This one is for... Um, Maine, <clears throat> and this is one of the dudes, Shugart Gordon, who volunteered during Black Hawk Down to go down and just die and try to protect the pilots. The mount site at Fort Polk, the junior Joint Readiness Training Center, is named in their honor. I've hit that thing a billion times. It sucks. Everybody dies. You go through fucking swamps and walk all night to die. And the last time I was there was 2002. <clears throat> we just got back from Afghanistan. I was getting ready to go to ANOC, Advanced Non-Commissioned Officer Course, which made me miss Iraq. But I, we had 175% E7s. So, even if this didn't work out, I was going to get booted out of my platoon because I had to get other guys' platoon times, and I'd already gone to war and got my platoon time <clears throat> as an E7. And it was the worst JRTC I've ever been at. It was like a week instead of three weeks. We didn't do live fires because we just did live fires. And we did a bunch of live fires for Petraeus prior to, which sucked. I got a coin, though. 
on Cody. He was transferring out. <clears throat> and we flew. It wasn't my last air assault. It was my last real air assault, but I, I got a cool air assault from the pilots in National Training Center. We did an air assault prep for a unit. I was doing their mount training. <clears throat> and so they asked me to run a PZ because they didn't have anybody qualified to run a PC. You know, they're tankers. They don't do that shit. So I ran a PZ control and set up an inverted Y and brought them in. And we did day and night. And after the last lift took off and dumped them, they said, stay here. We're coming back for you. I go, well, I got my Humvee. Go, no, no, we're coming back for you. And the first sergeant was an ex-OC, and he was super fucking cool. He um, <clears throat> he asked them to give me a ride because I was going to retire in four months, I think was when this happened, four or five months. It, I was really short. And they flew me around NTC for an hour, just hugging the dirt, banking so hard that even though I was strapped in, I was almost falling out of this Black Hawk. It was the coolest ride ever. And when they landed, they literally left the engine run and hopped out and gave me a hug and said, thanks for my service. And uh, that was a special memory. I remember driving back just smiling. But this air assault, my last real one with the Rockassons, sucked asshole because there was a fucking hurricane coming in. We, were, we got bumped up to do our hit, and then we were on buses to get the fuck out of there. And unfortunately, that's when I lost. I know I'm telling a lot of details, but I'm an old guy. This is what we do. I lost my flight book with so many family pictures. Um, I fell asleep and I was in the front and it fell out of the damn bus. And they opened the door on a railroad track. Broke my heart. Um, <clears throat> the wind was so bad that we did this 45-minute flight. It literally seats out, which surprised me because usually the weather call, you don't do that. And we were hitting our fucking heads on the roof and falling out of our... It was just horrible. And then we landed and we walked 10 hours through the swamp. Got to our battle position. And at some time during the night, we never rehearsed with the mechs. We were going to have tanks and Bradleys and they were going to do the breach. And we were going to secure them. Um, one of our platoons, and then I had breach platoon. We were going in and going to get the breach, or the foothold, excuse me. So <clears throat> one of our platoons, uh, no, Alpha Company was doing the breach. We were Charlie. We were going to go in and get the foothold, and I was lead platoon. We were going in and going to take out the first row of buildings, and then everybody was going to pass through us. And these tanks were just rolling down the road. And the end, we we use the we rarely use roads, but you didn't have a choice. The swamp was too bad, so we were using the trails. And I started pulling my whole platoon off. The PL objected. Then he goes, "No, you're right. You're right, Sarge. Let's do that." Because it was getting dangerous. They're blackout drive. They really didn't weren't seeing us because we don't have any loom on our shit. <clears throat> and I would pull everybody into a little formation and a huddle, and then we get back on the road. Well, they started the breach at 0500, beginning of BMNT, beginning morning nautical twilight. It's when the sunrise is just starting to come up. And if you look with a, take your phone 
at that time, wherever you're at, take a picture on the horizon with night shot. Anybody who follows me, family members on Instagram or Facebook, those are the pictures. Because the sun is coming up. You don't see it with the naked eye, but it's, it's coming up. So <clears throat> that's when we always do our attacks. Beginning of morning, nautical twilight. The light's horrible. If you're in a defense, you've got to segue from nods, if they have them, to normal vision because the sun's going to come up and pretty soon you're not going to be able to use it. And it was Alpha Company, and they'd fallen asleep. Well, the first couple tanks got hit, pretend, because this is, you know, Miles play. <clears throat> the third tank pulled off, had a plow, gored one guy, ran over another guy, and drug a third. That guy lived. So they called for medics, and me and my medic ran up. And his guts were in his pants. Somehow, because the medic I had who hates me, and I hated him, he was really good. He was an uh, EMT in Chicago before he came in, but he was a shitty soldier. <clears throat> they had a heart rate on that kid. Got him on the bird, but they didn't make it. Um, so at like 9 a.m., we started the attack. A lot of stupid shit, like, you know, the soldiers would want us to train, all that stupid fucking shit officers were saying. It's so stupid. So we did a daylight attack on Shugart Gordon. And uh, we didn't even get it halfway. whole battalion got whacked because it was daylight. You know, you, you can't fucking... <laughs> can't pull it off daylight but it's named after this guy um and a totally stupid non-related nugget is jamie lannister played him in black hawk down nikolai costa wakalaka whatever the fuck his name is and he played him so fucking hero all right to um to an army video. This is a new ad campaign. We're going to watch it together for the first time. Okay, first and foremost, of course, we did the intersectionally scorecard because that's all the fucking army's about now, or the military, because SecDev and all them, that's all they're obsessed with. But that actually, to me, is not a bad video. 
the obstacles we're running into is the modus, the, the, the demographic. And the best way to make this analogy is NASCAR. And I hate to use NASCAR as a punching bag, but NASCAR is doing ally day, tranny day, fucking left foot amputated Peruvian day. And they're doing all this bullshit, but it has nothing to do with NASCAR. And their car sucks because it can't pass anybody. They made it two parodies. Whoever wins a restart, they're winning the fucking race. It's boring. Nobody likes it. They're not tailoring to the fan of their sport. The NFL's done it. The military's doing it. The people that serve in our nation's armed forces have been doing it since the fucking Revolutionary War. It is built in their DNA. They are volunteers. They always step up. But they want to be in the military where everybody is judged on their performance, not on their skin color, who they fuck, what they think their gender is. They want to serve the country. 20 fucking years, everybody was green. Even the EO, who was always manned up by a female or a hateful racist black person. I mean, it was always a racist black person who hates whitey. And that's who they put in charge because then they can't, you know, the colonel can't get blamed. Can't get said he's not giving uh, or taking care of minorities or whatever the fuck. That was the motto. Not judging people on what they look like. And we flipped it now. Now, if you're a black tranny, well, your NCO gets reviewed by a bunch of other black trannies or wokesters. They handed it all over to a guy who hates the military. And the military is known now for woke. Climate change is the biggest mission we have right now. So those people are like, fuck that. If I wanted that, I'll, I'll go down to the fucking college and have them put in a fucking goddamn USB port in the back of my head and fill me full of fucking woke. So that's number one. But the marketing campaign you're doing for wokesters, they don't serve things other than themselves. So you're asking them to join a culture where even though it's going to be woke, it's not about you. It's not about your likes. It's not about your trends. It's not about your Instagram. It's not about you. Your appearance, even though they change a lot of shit and corn rolls and ponytails. And I saw a girl walking with a fucking long ass. I was like, what the fuck? And people with turbans, all that bullshit. It's still, you got to wear a green or tannish brown or whatever. The UCPs are fucking weird. It's like a pair of BDUs, butt-fucked damn multicam, and uh, there's your 
fucking uniform. It's just a weird look. Um, it's a hard sell because that's not them. They don't think about anybody but themselves. They have been raised from birth with a tablet in their hand, and it's all about me, 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 me. Now you have to go be about we. Because at the unit level, that's still going to be it. I don't give a fuck if it's a black female captain in your support unit or a gay black ranger qualified captain in an infantry unit. They, to get where they got, that's their off time. It ain't what they do. What they do is killing. And they're responsible for a hundred some odd motherfuckers and take them to war and bring them back alive. So they ain't got no time for the woke. It's about fucking killing, MTPs, shooting, all that shit. You don't fuck around. So it is tough. But if you keep going down this road of what is in the news is just woke shit, you'll never fix the recruiting problem. Because as much as you hate them, as much as you think they are extremists and just like Al-Qaeda, crystal knock Nazis, like Millie said, when the war comes... You're going to want more mega holding a rifle than build back better. It's just the way it works. Because regardless of how fucked up our country is right now, those people are going to step forward. When push comes to shove, they're going to step forward. They're going to be the ones that are going to go fight our wars. And all the people you're trying to recruit are going to go back in the street and burn... Biden dolls because he wants to go fight a war. So you you might want to think about that. So anyway, finishing on this, here's a 10-minute Witters documentary, and then we're going to go into Woke, and we're going to start with, uh, what are we starting with? Fucking MSDNC. Woke is the GO's way, GOP's way of saying the N-word. Oh, really? The story of Major Richard Dick Winters is one of courage, leadership, and sacrifice. As a decorated World War II veteran and commander of the Easy Company, 2nd Battalion, 506 Parachute Infantry Regiment in the 101st Airborne Division, Winters played a pivotal role in some of the most significant battles of the war, including Operation Overlord and the Battle of the Bulge. His leadership and bravery inspired his men, and his actions helped to turn the tide of the war. Richard Davis Winters was born on a cold winter day in New Holland, Pennsylvania on January 21, 1918. He grew up in a close-knit family with his parents, Richard and Edith Winters, and his younger sister, Anne. When Winters was eight, the family moved to Lancaster, where they settled and made their home. As a young boy, Winters had to work hard to help support his family. During the summers, he would do odd jobs to pay his school fees. 
Despite these challenges, Winters remained focused on his studies and graduated from Lancaster Boys High School in July 1937. After graduating, Winters went on to attend Franklin and Marshall College. He was an active member of the Upsilon chapter of the Delta Sigma Phi fraternity and participated in sports and other extracurricular activities. However, he had to give up these pursuits to focus on his studies and his odd jobs, which he continued to work to pay for his college fees. In 1941, Winters graduated from college with a degree in economics. The following August, he was drafted into the United States Army for his mandatory service. Initially, Winters had no desire to participate in the ongoing World War II and hoped to keep his military service short. He attended training at Camp Croft in South Carolina, where he excelled as a coach for draftees. In April of 1942, Richard Winters was sent to Fort Benning, Georgia, to attend the Army Officer Candidate School. It was there that he met a fellow officer candidate named Lewis Nixon, who would become a lifelong friend. By July 1st, Winters had been assigned to the 506 Parachute Infantry Regiment, which was being formed at Camp Tokoa in Georgia. Winters volunteered for paratrooper training and was soon a second lieutenant in the 101st Airborne Division. He had also graduated from the Army Officer Candidate School. In August of 1942, Winters was assigned to Company E of the 506 PIR, which was led by First Lieutenant Herbert Sobel. Sobel was a tough and demanding leader, but Winters was determined to learn from him and become the best soldier he could be. Richard Winters had proven himself to be an exceptional soldier and a natural leader. In recognition of his skills, he was appointed as the leader of the 2nd platoon and eventually promoted to the rank of 1st lieutenant. In October of 1942, Winters was appointed as acting company executive officer and he officially assumed the post in May of the following year. However, trouble was brewing between Winters and his former commanding officer, Captain Herbert Sobel. Sobel had been a tough and demanding leader and he had clashed with Winters on several occasions. In October of 1943, Winters was court-martialed for failing to follow Sobel's order to inspect the latrine. This incident created a rift between the two men, and Winters began to doubt Sobel's capabilities as a captain. Despite his doubts, Winters kept his thoughts to himself, and many enlisted men respected him for his leadership qualities. They saw Winters, not Sobel, as their true captain. However, Sobel was not willing to let the matter rest, and he came up with another charge against Winters. After an investigation, Winters was appointed as the battalion mess officer at the headquarters of the company. This move was seen by many as a demotion, but Winters accepted it with grace and continued to serve his country with dedication and bravery. However, many non-commissioned officers pressured the regimental commander, Colonel Sink, to decide whether or not Sobel should be dismissed from Company E. Sink finally transferred Sobel to Chilton Foliat while canceling Winters' punishment and appointing him as the first leader of the platoon. Winters acknowledged the role of Sobel's grueling training sessions in boosting his competence. On June 6, 1944, during the Normandy operations, Winters flew with his parachute over Cotentin Peninsula, Normandy, and successfully landed on St. Mir Eglise. Unfortunately, he had to leave his weapons during the landing. Many jump planes and paratroopers were displaced from their assigned drop zones due to the heavy German anti-aircraft fire and dense clouds. 
Despite the obstacles, Winters managed to assemble the troops and proceed toward their designated target. Richard Winters found himself as the de facto commander of Easy Company when the actual commander, First Lieutenant Thomas Meheen, went missing. Despite the circumstances, Winters displayed exceptional bravery during the Bracourt Manor assault, which took place in the southern part of Le Grand Chemin village. His actions earned him a promotion to the position of captain and the Distinguished Service Cross Award. In September 1944, Winters showed incredible heroism during Operation Market Garden, an airborne operation that took place in the Netherlands. With just 20 men under his command, he managed to successfully attack a much larger German force consisting of 200 soldiers. For his outstanding leadership skills, Winters was appointed as the battalion executive officer on October 9th. This post is usually given to a major, but after the death of the previous XO, Major Oliver Horton, Winters was chosen for the role despite only holding the rank of captain, as he was the most qualified for the position. On December 16, 1944, Richard Winters led his troops through the Battle of the Bulge, successfully breaking through the enemy lines. He was later promoted to the rank of Major in March 1945. Winters returned home to the United States in November of that year. Winters embarked on his journey from Marseille to the United States on the ship Wooster Victory. Upon arriving in New York City in November, he was sent to Indian Town Gap where he was officially discharged from the Army in January 1946. Until then, he opted for terminal leave. In December of that year, Lewis Nixon's father offered Winters a job in their family business in Edison, New Jersey. Winters began working at Nixon Nitration Works in January 1946 while also continuing his studies through the GI Bill. He enrolled in several business and personnel management courses at Rutgers University, which helped him further his career. Major Richard Winters continued his work at Nixon Nitration Works until 1951 when he received a summons to rejoin the Army for the Korean War. After being assigned to the 11th Airborne Division at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, he was later moved to Fort Dix in New Jersey to serve as a regimental planning and training officer. At Fort Dix, Winters found that the training officers lacked discipline, which disappointed him greatly. As a result, he was sent to attend the Ranger School to further his training. After completing the program, he graduated as a Ranger. Winters was promoted to Major in the United States Army Reserve in January 1952. However, he was given the option to resign from his commission and he chose to do so. In April 1953, he was honorably discharged from the United States Army and in his military career. Richard Winters returned to New Jersey in 1954 after serving in the Army. He started working as a production supervisor at a plastics adhesive business in New Brunswick. A year later, he moved to Lebanon, Pennsylvania to work at Whitmore Laboratories. In 1972, Winters became an entrepreneur and started a company that delivered chocolate byproducts from the Hershey Company to animal feed producing companies. In 1990, Winters met historian and biographer Stephen Ambrose. He shared his experiences from his time with Easy Company during World War II. Ambrose wrote a book based on Winters' stories called Band of Brothers, which was published in 1992. The book was later adapted into a home box office miniseries of the same name in 2001 with Damian Lewis playing the role of Winters. Major Dick Winters retired in 1997 
and moved with his family to Hershey, Pennsylvania. In 2001, as the home box office miniseries Band of Brothers began airing, he started to make public appearances, giving speeches and interviews about his experiences during World War II. A new book about Winters was released in 2005 titled Biggest Brother, The Life of Major Dick Winters, The Man Who Led the Band of Brothers. It was authored by Larry Alexander and delved into Winters' life beyond his military service. In 2006, Winters released his memoir, Beyond Band of Brothers, The War Memoirs of Major Dick Winters, co-written with military historian Colonel Cole C. Kingseed. The book gave readers a whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. We're going to talk a little bit now about the debate tonight when the Republican presidential candidates take the stage in Milwaukee. There is one word voters should expect to hear, woke. MSNBC's Tremaine Lee is with us this morning. Tremaine, great to seeing you. The word woke means so many different things to, to different people. Where does it come from? That's right, Jose. Well, for generations, the term woke was a part of black American in-speak. It meant to keep your eyes open, stay aware to uh, the forces that might be around you that might want to cause you harm, be vigilant. Uh, but in recent years, it's been uh, co-opted, some would say hijacked by uh, far right-wing conservatives and turned into anything but uh, a feeling of awareness or a warning for awareness. Take a look. And I think by now, you've probably heard it. This woke ideology. Weak and woke. Wokeism. Over. Woke lunacy. And over. Woke beliefs and policies and over again. Woke has become a charged political catch-all phrase, often used as a battering ram and a battle cry, and to many, a slur. It's almost another way of saying black. It's another way of saying the N-word. They weaponized the civil rights movement and said it was a communist movement. They mean it as a slur, but the people who are for these policies, for these specific goals, who think that I want my children to learn about the history of this country and not just the white history of this country. That's not a slur to me. And if you call it woke or whatever you call it, I am proud of representing those things and I want them in policy. Jose, there's concern that even though the term has become uh, everything and nothing at once, that it's not just the punchline. That's actually feeling policy that's hostile to the very people um, and very communities that created this term in the first yeah okay pbs is at it again reporter alarmed oklahoma's narrowing different mission for man and woman they also touted a trans masculine teen against montana gop opposing trans agenda and before i play a sound by showing that this women's shit is really is really kind of cute i mean they're going all this women kick but simultaneously, their previous kick, more women are graduating college and going to college than men are now because the way things are stacked against men. Man who killed florist shouted racial slurs and tore down pride flag. What? You haven't heard about it? Oh, that's because that 
he's he's Latino. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Goes back goes back to the rules. You know, it's it's all about Latino. But here is MTP's uh, data download on women's stuff, followed by California, where a woman is speaking. And he's taken. She's she's silenced by a dude who thinks he's a woman. Welcome back, data download time, and also back to school time. A lot of classes are starting tomorrow. As college students start flowing back to campus, there are going to be a lot more women than men in the lecture halls, and it is a trend that is also reshaping this country and our politics. Let me show you here the trend data overall of those getting a bachelor's degree. As you can see, pretty steady increase from 1970, 11% of the population, nearly 40% of the population now has a bachelor's degree or more. As you could say with millennials, you're starting to see a bit of a faster clip there, faster growth rate. What's interesting is the gender gap. In the last decade, women overtook men in who has more bachelor's degrees. And this matters in our politics. Let me just show you overall. Currently enrolled in college, there's nearly a three million gap between women and men. 56% of those enrolled are women, 44% are men. How does this play out in our politics? Well, we already know there's a gender gap in our politics, mostly due to single women, more so than married women, when you look at it that way. But overall, men favored Trump by eight points, women have favored Biden by double digits. The degree gap is also a place that we've watched a lot. No college degree, that has favored Donald Trump in the 2020 exit polls by two points. Uh, bachelor's degree or more, that favored Biden by 12 points. The point is this, you're starting to see this. These gaps could even grow more as more of this gender gap shows itself. Uh, play college soccer. And so the process of that kind of started. I started playing at the highest competitive levels in Southern California for soccer. And then I was a four-year varsity CIF athlete throughout high school. I was the captain of the varsity team starting my sophomore year through my senior year and had great experiences and great times during all of that. And at 10 years old, like I said, all I dreamed was about being a college soccer player. A dream I knew I could achieve as long as I worked hard and put my mind to it. And at 18, I was able to live out my dream. But current 10 year old girls cannot live out the same dream as long as men are allowed to compete in women's sports. So now, no matter how hard girls work, biological men can compete in women's sports. I, I will give you one, one more. Keep going. Nobody has to be here. Yeah. Just, 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 so no matter how biological girls work, they will know. They will never be able to be physiologically faster and stronger than biological men that are trying to play in biological female sports. Allowing biological men in women's sports does not create an equal playing field, but instead robs young biological girls of their athletic aspirations. When I played college soccer, when I played college soccer my freshman year, President 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 President
can you can you tell me why am I being asked to leave? Because you're talking about you're talking about men and, and females. I have a bylaw here. We have an licensed California attorney right here. Please listen. You do not about discrimination. This is not your presentation. Yeah, that's good shit right there. That is good shit. Simultaneously, they want to take away Queen's fat bottom girls because it's sexist. You fucking people. Jesus. We then move on to USA Today, anti-Florida hit. Dems face ridicule, discrimination, and maybe violence. Maybe violence. Here's from the article. For many Florida, for many Florida's change. What was once a proudly purple state has turned an angry red, they say. Governor DeSantis, with his dedicated backing of Republican supermajority and state legislators, waging war on what he calls wokeism, a term he's loosely defined as a form of cultural Marxism. But many people of color, the LGBTQ plus 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 community, immigrants, non-Christians, teachers, union, members, students, feeling a war against themselves as they face ridicule, discrimination, and potentially violence. You see how they got the Christian in there? Non-Christian. Christians are bad. 
Christians are bad. That's actually from a New York Times thing. That, that's the picture. Misery for summer weddings because climate change. It was pretty miserable planning a wedding amid climate change. Couples getting married this summer have had to contend with extreme weather conditions. Then we literally have blue on blue violence. I used to have a segment of this back in the day. Here's Maine's governor. Yeah. You're killing me, the climate protester says. I'm sorry to interrupt. We're in the midst of a climate emergency. And What's your name? My name is Matt. Nice to meet you, I'm Matt. 20 years old and you're throwing my future. The state of Massachusetts is building 10 new fossil fuel infrastructure projects right now. We need you to ban new fossil fuel infrastructure right now. Will you commit to doing that, yes or no? Let's talk about that, okay? No, let's talk about it, yes yeah. or no? Let's talk about that. There's a huge transition that we're, we're undergoing and there's a lot of work to do. But let me tell you, and the I appreciate- The first step of the transition is to ban new fossil fuels. Will you ban new fossil fuel infrastructure? I, I, think, I, it, I think it's that, enough. Matt. Guys, I appreciate it. it's democracy. And fossil fuels, Mara. And fossil fuels. And fossil fuels, Mara. And fossil fuels. You assaulted us. How did I assault you? There is no future. Get out! Get out! The fossil fuel industry bought you out. The fossil fuel industry gave you fifty thousand dollars. And fossil fuels, Mara. And fossil fuels. Fossil fuels. And Solar everything. I have solar in is my house. Is your individual Just, act going to help us? No, the no, act of someone no, in power is going to. If you had half a brain, you would understand We have no money. Laura has power, and she can help save us, but, but she's not. But your rudeness prevents you We're from talking die. to us. Who cares how rude we are? I, I don't mind and if you die. I'm going to die a lot quicker us. than you are. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Climate scientist explains how she's dealing with extreme climate grief. A friend sat with me and explained that she had just recovered from an episode of extreme climate grief brought on about studying rapidly changing terrestrial ecosystems. She has started taking weekends off. I, I'm smiling because it's so fucking stupid. Many of us work seven days a week and encouraged me to do so as well. After we talked, I walked around the parking lot for a while, listening to the birds and watching the midday light filter through the diverse trees. Diverse. The trees are diverse in Santa Barbara. I breathed the ocean air and grounded myself in the present where the air was cool and the birds were singing. Soon after that, I started taking weekends off to kayak near the home in Southern California and hike on the trails above Pasadena and built a small bird garden on the porch of my apartment. I also started taking, talking frankly to my colleagues about the emotional turmoil that is often sparked by working as a climate scientist today. And many others had similar stories. I'm in mid-30s working at NASA as a scientist and I already have five scientists friends with severe emergent health challenges. They are all affected by overwork, exhaustion, and extreme stress. The only other thing they all have in common is that they study climate change. 
the first reply is learn to code. And if you think this cult isn't as bad as the tranny one, here's an article. Read the entire article. You'll need to understand how it relentlessly they're indoctrinating children in the religion of decarbonization. New Jersey, a state with roughly 130 miles of coastline, is already confronting multiple climate realities from more frequent flooding and extreme heat to air pollution from wildfire smoke in Canada. In New Jersey classroom, students are facing these realities head on. In 2020, the state has become the first in the country to adopt standards requiring climate change to be taught across grade levels in nearly all subjects. Those standards were rolled out last year, including the ceramics class. Ceramics, which is using a kiln that uses gas. Students of class, like freshman Kevin Brown, discover the climate change threat in the state's biodiversity. Brown grew up catching and releasing crayfish in New Jersey streams. She learned through her research that climate change is endangering their habitat. P.E. class. Here's CNN. It's real, man. We're all going to die. With COVID cases rising, some people are masking up. You've probably seen that in your neighborhood, work, et cetera. What does it mean for you? And what does it mean for people at higher risk of severe illness? Dr. Sanjay Gupta is with us with more. I keep thinking this. When I see people with masks on, am I making a mistake? What should I do? What should we do? Yeah. Well, let, let me give you the good news first. I mean, if you look at the country as a whole, you look at the map, the map of the country um, and look at the CDC recommendations, most of the country is considered low risk right now. Uh, it's mostly green. You have a few spots of yellow and a couple spots maybe of orange where it's high risk. But green means there's low um, hospital admission rates, which is really the, the criteria that they're looking for for whether or not we should go back to masking. So, so let me just sort of break that down for you. If you're in a green area, it means the recommendation is not necessarily that you need to mask, but you still can mask for the points that you point at, pointed out, Poppy, if you're, gonna, if you're a high risk or you're gonna be around high risk people. I recently visited my parents, for example, in Florida. I wore a mask, I tested ahead of time, try and keep them safe. If you're in one of the lower categories, then depending uh, on what you're doing exactly, there may be situations where you need to mask as well. So that, that is sort of where we are. We're, we're at an inflection point, I think, right now. We talked to a lot of the experts that you guys know over the years. Uh, Peter Hotez, for example, he said he's gone back to masking. Michael Osterholm said he's probably about to start masking. Jonathan Ryder made an interesting point, he said President Biden should probably be masking because he is 80 years old, so he's considered at higher risk. But I think we're at this inflection point. Numbers have been going up. Mm -hmm. Weather's going to get cooler and drier. They're probably going to go up a little bit more. Obviously, if you've tested positive, if you've been exposed. Yeah, I jabbed it there, man. You thought it was going to be climate, but it's not because it's back as I said it would be. We're getting back for an election. It's time to COVID the fuck up, motherfuckers. We're gonna lock down. We're gonna have to do mail-in voting so they can stop the counts at the same time and manufacture votes again. Oh, they didn't do that. What am I saying? That's, that's, that's insurrectionist. Philip Bulp, Bump on a wide range of health-related issues, including COVID and vaccines. Republicans are much more likely to believe false things than Democrats. Okay, because Democrats believe masks work. And they don't. 
this dickweed. Dear BG parents, if your God tells you not to let your 16 or 17-year-old get a vaccine shot, you and your God are risking your child's short-term and long-term health. Your God's an asshole, and you should look for a better one. He's running for school board. Yeah. And you guys want to bring back masks. But yes, it is conservatives that are brainwashed, even though my entire life has been lefties that are anti-vax. Last but not least, CNN. How conservatives use verbal jujitsu to turn liberals' language against them? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. It's not that liberals make all this shit up so they can silence people and win arguments. I mean, fuck that... Can't say that, can we? To our This Is America, this sums up all the Trump stuff. That's why I don't cover it. It's all bullshit. There won't be a court case before the election. It's all done just to have that hanging over him so he can't get elected or they can disqualify him or they're going to do something. The cabal will come back together. But these three low-life, cock-sucking piece of shit. Announcers are masturbating to the thought of Trump in a dirty jail. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Trump, the 18 other co-defendants, they must surrender in Fulton County by Friday. How is this process in Georgia going to be different from what we've seen in federal court? It's going to be very different because they have said that they are going to do mugshots and fingerprints. And he will be turning himself in at the Fulton County Jail, not in a federal building, not in a clean, nice environment. It is, from what we hear from the press, a really uh, dirty, dangerous, scary place. So it's going to be a very different picture. And I think the picture of him there, I think his experience of being in a real jail, I can tell you that some of the Watergate defendants, when they were put in the D.C. jail, really freaked out. And we had to move them to a um, army base where they could be housed without being in fear at all times so that they could cooperate and testify. Yep. That's our media. That is our media. Those are the good people. They, they just deal in facts. And none of their viewers are conspiracy theorists. Even though they still talk about Russia, Russia, Russia. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast here with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud, follow Fly Over Politic with a K, Rumble 482467, FOP Podcast at gmail.com to contact the show. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. And tune back in Monday, 28 August, Year of Our Lord, 2023, for another exciting show where I will remind you all that on the 30th, we have a blue moon. 
going to be big shit. Hopefully, I'll take a picture because my animal's been waking me up at 3 in the morning. So I've been walking at 4 in the morning, and I really can't take a picture because the moon's set, and it sucks. As always, thank you all for listening. Take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives.